Today, I am talking about hospitality. How unusual is that? We're in the hospitality business and I'm going to talk about it. But this comes from the Airbnb's list of the number one most hospitable hosts in every US state. And they've come up with a list of those hosts that they deem to be the most hospitable. So I'm going to be talking about, you know, how they defined that list, how they found these people and what is it that makes them the most hospitable host in each state. So listen up. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer. And as ever, super delighted to be back with you once again as we come to... No, it's not quite the end of July. It's my birthday coming up, which means it is just about the end of July. And I'm sort of looking forward to the end of this season and a lot of things have conspired for that. You know, it's been it's been the busiest. We have been the busiest ever. We thought 2020 was busy. 2021 has surpassed that. And I know that many of you are experiencing your busiest years ever, which is great, which is great. And I think we should all be very, very happy that we have come through what's been a pretty difficult uh, 18 months and you know we are we are coming out of it. I know you guys down there in the US are doing a lot better at coming out of it than we are. We just opened up a couple of days ago and I got to have my hair done yesterday, which is the first time in 6 months. Which is why, you know, you don't see me much on on video or you haven't seen me much on video because it's looking pretty ghastly. But things like, you know, we we finally get to get our hair done. Indoor dining opened for the first time in six months on Friday. And I know that, you know, for for those in, in the US, you might find that really surprising. You've probably been eating indoors for a long time. But at least it's summer and outdoor eating hasn't, you know, is, is mostly what people want to do anyway at, at this time. So we haven't missed out a huge amount, but gyms are open again. And, and for ourselves in the short-term rental business, one of the big things that, uh, that restrictions that was eased was that we went from a maximum of five people indoors to 25. So the, the larger properties that accommodate 12, 14, 16 people are able to welcome those guests without any concern now about a neighbour or somebody nearby making a complaint about it. So really, really happy that we are back and open. And all that now remains really is for our border to the US to open and allow us all to head down to your neck of the woods. But vehicle anyway, by car. We can fly and fully vaccinated, we can actually come back into Canada now and not not have to go into quarantine. But the, the land border has been closed for 18 months and uh, we are really looking forward to that opening up shortly and staying open because I need, I need to get to Gulf Shores, Alabama in October, as you all know. So what's happening this week? We went from Wildlife Week 
which I think I mentioned, you know, we had electrocuted raccoon and we had ants and we had mice and we had chipmunks and then we had plumbing week. We had a ton of septic backups and toilets blocked, water's not running. We've had just a deluge of rain over the past week or so. And the weather hasn't been particularly bad. It's been really warm. It's been warm. It's been humid. But every so often the heavens open and talk about deluge. It's just rain that I haven't seen for a long, long time. In fact, the river down at the end of my yard is, is running almost as it does in April after the, after the ice melts. Uh, never seen the water running like that. So uh, we've had our fair share of um, people having roof leaks and floods and yeah, it's been fun. I don't know what's going to happen this coming week. Maybe it'll just be quiet. That would be really nice. But I know from reading Facebook groups, and as you know, I lurk on Facebook groups. I don't spend a lot of time commenting on them, but I lurk around and read some of of the posts and, and the comments. And for those of you who listened to my episode last week about coping mechanisms know that I just, I just don't advocate um, piling in on some of these Facebook posts and adding in a two cents worth about how awful the guests are and how mean they are. And, and it just doesn't sit well with me. And when Airbnb came out last week with their list of the most hospitable hosts in the U.S., It made me really stop and think about what hospitality actually is, because I've been seeing some Facebook posts that made me really wince this week. And I really do think there are some people who should not be in this business. And on some of the groups, some of the people have been, you know, they've been there a long time. They post a lot. And I honestly don't feel they're right for the business. These are hosts who are calling their guests stupid. They're calling their guests dumb or idiots. And regardless of how our guests behave, and we know that some don't behave really, really well, but the majority do, there will always be the odd one or two that's going to surprise you by something they do or something they say or something they act out with. But that doesn't mean that we should label them in any way. Probably, I'm having a stream of consciousness here, you know. Um, I'm (laughs) currently reading The Art of Happiness, and it is thoughts from the Dalai Lama. And it's, in fact, a series of interviews that a renowned psychiatrist um, held with the Dalai Lama. And they talk on a whole variety of subjects, and they talk about suffering, and they talk about compassion and kindness and happiness. And what comes out over and above, over absolutely everything, is the whole issue of kindness and how being kind to people creates your own happiness. And as I look through some of these Facebook posts, and I think, oh my goodness, you really are not kind. This is not kind. This is mean. So that's my little rant. I'm, I'm, just, seeing, I'm just seeing a lot more of it, and I, I just don't like it very much. People do screw up. You will have guests that aren't the nicest or leave a mess, or perhaps they ask too many questions. <laughs> I've always hated that perspective that when a guest asks too many questions, then there's somehow something wrong with them. And I, and I think I subscribed to that at one point. You know, 
if you have a guest that asks a ton of questions before they stay, then they're going to be high maintenance when they get there. Well, that's not necessarily the case that they're high maintenance. They simply want more information than others do. There are some of us that are completely self-reliant and are able to go away and stay in a strange place without asking a single question. They read the guest guides, they read the welcome books, they appreciate everything that comes to them, whether it's nature in the form of of tiny creatures or whether it's a breakdown of something, and they just roll with it. We do have some people like that, but we do have those who can't cope with those types of things. It doesn't make them bad people. And I read one post, I'm just going to pull out one that I read, where the host was ranting about a guest that had got lost and they needed direction to her house. And it it was clearly very, very late at night and she was incredibly unhappy about this. And she posted on the Facebook post the directions that she gave her guests. And multiple people responded to say that those directions were actually confusing, that they couldn't understand them. And the uh, the poster refused to concede, saying that you know, nobody else has ever had an, had an issue with the directions. Therefore, these particular guests were completely stupid and dumb, and she thinks she thought she was going to cancel them and send them home. That did blow me away, and then I thought, well, okay, you know, it was late at night, and and I know that I you know I, I like to go to bed early and get up early. So if somebody pinged me at 11 o'clock or midnight to say, I can't read your directions. I can't get there. And I thought, well, actually they're pretty clear. I might be a bit upset, but I certainly wouldn't be taking to Facebook and, and calling my guests stupid and dumb. Hey, I'm continuing to rant. So I am moving right on, moving right along <laughs> and going to just focus on what Airbnb came out with last week which was the number one most hospitable host in every US state. And they've selected one host from each state. So I thought, well, that's clever. How the heck did they do that? So I looked further. Hosts had to have achieved 100% five-star ratings in the categories of cleanliness, check-in and communication. Well, that bothers me slightly because I know, I mean, I talked to my, my husband, in fact, he told me, why he would not give a five-star review for anything. And he said he spent 35 years in the military and every year they had assessments and they're assessed on a scale of, of naught to five. Nobody ever got a five because that meant they were perfect and there was no room for improvement. So, so yes, they would have, you know, a rating of 4.8 or 4.9 or something like that, but they would not give, you would never get an overall five. And that, he said, after 35 years of that being ingrained, of him getting his own assessments and then him giving assessments to his direct reports, he said he'd never give a five and he would probably never do so for a vacation rental. And I said, well, that's why I write the reviews when we go stay places. But it really got me thinking because I, I I had a four-star review for one of our properties last week. And the the guest said the place was absolutely perfect. The location was wonderful. The amenities were just as described. We had the most amazing time. Can't wait to come back next year and gave it four stars. She actually said the place was perfect. 
but she still gave four, four stars because there are some people who will not give a five. So going back to Airbnb's criteria for their most hospitable hosts, I don't think that sits right with me. For the host to have, have had to have achieved 100% five-star ratings on cleanliness, check-in and communication. Because I think a host could be absolutely amazing, yet there is a minor problem with a single check-in and that might reduce their score somewhat because they made a mistake. So anyhow, so the second criteria, what Airbnb say to raise the bar even further, they set the minimum number of reviews at 100, which seems fair enough. You've got to be in the business a long time to amass a certain amount of reviews. After all, they are, this list is the most hospitable host in every state. So you're not going to get that if you've only been in business five weeks or even six months. Although having said that, you could probably get a hundred reviews in six months if you just rented very short stays. So then the third one was, they'd say many states had more than one host to achieve this incredible standard of a hundred percent in all three categories. So they narrowed it down to the most hospitable host in those states with more than one qualifying host. The tiebreaker went to whomever had the greatest number of reviews. It seems, seems a little bit arbitrary. It just says, you know, you've been in business longer or you rent more one-nighters or two-nighters or whatever. But I can certainly see it's, it's, it's tough if you've got a gazillion listings and you've got to come down to the most hospitable hosts. But it's, it's an interesting list. And I spent some time going through the list, actually going to each of the listings, having a look at the properties, the photographs, the descriptions. And then I spent probably, oh, I'm not telling you how, long, how much time I spent going through the reviews for each one and pulling out what I thought was really characterized these hosts, what is it that they're doing that has singled them out as being the best of the best? And before I go into some of those things, I just want to read out a couple of the quotes from some of, of the, the, the hosts who made this list. One said, this is Brian and Bob from Bloomington, Indiana. We try to make an experience for our guests that is different than home. When people are spending hard-earned vacation time and money, we want our cabin to be magical and memorable. We put extra touches like wildflowers, home-baked bread, and a personal note for our guests. So I looked at that and I thought, that's not difficult, is it? That really is not difficult to do. And as I go on to actually talk through some of the reviews that they had, you'll see that these, some of these things are mentioned over and over again. It's not the expensive amenities or features that are ever mentioned in these reviews. It's not the hot tubs, it's not the saunas, and it's not the massive entertainment systems. It is the little touches that the indiv individual hosts are offering that make the experience better. So another owner, Jay and Jane from Austin said, clean everything. When in doubt, clean it again. If it looks a little worn, replace it. Have two of everything in case you don't have time to clean it in between. And that is perfect advice. Absolutely perfect. 
I've I've been to vacation rentals where I think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm probably halfway through a season or halfway, or you know it's towards the end of a season, and you see that something is tired and worn. And it would have been a simple matter to replace that. You know, it could have been a cushion with a tear in it. Somebody would have noticed that it could have been re- replaced. Something missing. Uh, when I inspect properties and I always look in the cupboards, I look for their wine glasses. Do you have six matching wine glasses in that cupboard if you are going to accommodate six adult guests? No, why not? Somebody will notice that. Perhaps somebody is having a a celebratory meal. You know, you've got a guest coming who's celebrating a birthday or an anniversary and they've invited friends and they're going to have this meal and now you've got unmatching glasses or you've got five wine glasses and a coffee mug to have wine from. <laughs> it's those little touches. And I think what Jay and Jane said should probably go right at the top. If it looks a little worn, replace it. Have two of everything in case you don't have time to clean it in between. That's a perfect philosophy on hospitality. Glenn and Susan from Mendocino, California said, traveling as guests gave us an understanding through firsthand experience. Some of the things that guests need are intangible. We make sure our guests know that we're warm and approachable if they have any requests or issues. And it was very interesting to see in the reviews that I read how many mentioned responsiveness, friendly communication and promptness of action when something went wrong. So those were a couple of comments from the hosts in this list. And I'm now going to go through what I've taken from the reviews from, and I did not go through all hundred, you know, I'd love to say I did. I didn't go through every single one of the hundred hosts. I picked out what I felt was a representative sample from different, different states, different sizes of property, uh, you know, properties that accommodated two people, little romantic getaways to much larger places that accommodated uh, larger groups. And I separated out the comments into uh, a number of uh, categories and I, I separated out into amenities, cleanliness, communication and ease of access. And then at the end, I just want to talk a little bit more about what a welcome is, how to make the best welcome ever. But let's talk about amenities for a minute because talking about amenities, it's important to think about the types of guests that you have coming and what, what, what their expectations are. Are they coming, do you think, to, are they going to eat in all the time? They're going to do a lot of cooking or are you in an area or in an urban area where there's so many restaurants that nobody would ever dream of cooking a meal in? Although you can never guarantee that that's their intention. So I went through these reviews looking at what guests were saying about amenities and there's nothing really surprising. You know, for those of you who have wonderfully well-equipped properties, this isn't going to come as a surprise. There were some things that I picked out that I thought, wow, I hadn't thought about this. And these were mentioned on numerous occasions. So it may be something you want to think about, but here's one. The cabin is equipped with a full kitchen including utensils, plates, pans, pots, baking dishes and trays and so on, which, yeah, that's what you would expect that. And then the guest goes on to say, you can cook everything you could possibly think of. Eating out is very much a choice, not a requirement. And I love that because I'm not, I I don't go out to eat. 
Very, very rarely, even when on holiday. I don't go out to eat. I like to go to farmer's markets and speciality food stores and buy local ingredients and then cook in the property. And this is just about everywhere we go. I think you know, we might go away if we, we used to go to the Bahamas for a couple of weeks. We might eat out once, but I would go and buy fresh fish. I'd go and buy fresh veg, go and buy the things that, that the locals were eating in their own homes, not go out to a restaurant and eat something with fries, which seemed to be what was pretty much on offer everywhere. So that's really important. What this person says, you can cook everything you could possibly think of because eating out is a choice, not a requirement. So have a think about that with the properties you've got. Are you making eating out a requirement because you don't have enough equipment and supplies to make catering in the property a joy and a pleasure? So another one, the kitchen is well stocked too, which is nice for being able to cook meals. So this came up loads of times. Kitchens were well stocked. They were well stocked with baking, everything that you needed for baking in case the weather was bad and you wanted to bake cookies for the kids. Uh, this is something that I encourage all our owners to provide is a lot of baking equipment, cookie trays, loaf tins, recipe books, just things that make it easy for our guests to cook if the weather's bad and they don't want to go out. And in fact, restaurants are very few and far between in our areas of cottage country, so nobody ever goes out anyway. So it is very much a, a cook-at-home environment. So we pay a lot of attention to what goes in those kitchens. Then there were the comments about some slightly different things that I hadn't thought of. So here's one. There are nice touches like outlets and lamps near each bed. That's something that I find is really, really important, having that nightstand beside each bed with a lamp and with an outlet so somebody can charge their phone. Even better to have a USB charger beside each bed. Good quality cookware, knives and spices. Just, just been said. And even an AM, FM radio that I don't often find at Airbnbs. So I'm not sure everybody's going to be going out to a short-term rental and expecting to find an AM, FM radio. But you know, it's just that little thing that somebody may come along and find and then find it important to, to let you know about. I was amazed, this is a review, I was amazed to find a charged battery pack in a power outage kit. So when we did lose power, and of course our phones weren't charged, we were able to charge them. In our area, we have power outages all the time in this last week. I mean, we have a, the electricity company has a storm outage map. And when the wild weather goes through, as it did last week, then we can go to that storm outage map and see where the outages are. And after some wild weather, there's probably, there could be upwards of 100 outages right the way across our area. And invariably, restoration time is five hours, six hours, sometimes even 24 hours. So it really is important for all our owners to supply a power outage kit. Now, what goes in there, we say, is do not put candles and matches in a power outage kit, just flashlights with separate batteries, not battery, not, not the flashlights with batteries in there that's going to sit there for two years and eventually leak into the flashlight itself, but have separate batteries in a, in a, in a pack, flashlights, an information sheet on what you should do in case of a power outage. And I always remember the story of years ago, we lived in, in a, a rural area of Ontario 
And we had a power outage and talked to our neighbours the following day because the power outage had happened about nine o'clock that evening and the power didn't come back on till the morning. And we talked to our neighbours the following day and we were saying, you know, you know, it, it was good because we'd, uh, you know, we, we'd, we'd had our meal and we'd, we'd cleared up and we were just watching TV when the power went out. So what the heck, we'll just go to bed. When we woke up in the morning, the power was back on. And they said that their situation could have been very, very different. And what had happened, they were in the middle of cooking their meal when the power went out and had a pot of oil on the stove that they were going to do fries in. When the power went out, they completely forgot about that pot of oil. They were running around sort of trying to find uh, flashlights and, and get some light on and think about what they would eat now that the power wasn't available to them and totally forgot about this pan of oil on the stove. They were woken up at early hours of the morning when the power came back on by the smell of hot oil and ran out of bed to find that the power had come back on, the power on the stove had come back on, and the oil was almost at combustion point. It could have been disastrous. It could have it was one of those things you think, oh my God, what could have happened? And you just don't want to, you just don't want to go there. They had three small children in the house. It was, it could have been a nightmare situation, but fortunately they were, they were woken by this smell. So from that, we've, we've suggested that our owners have an information sheet in their power outage pack that says, if the power should go out, the first thing you do is check that the stove is turned off, that all the burners on the stove, the oven, everything has been turned off. Then there's other bits of advice like not lighting candles, using flashlights instead, using little electric lamps that we provide. The thing is with candles is that people, they can walk past a table where there's a candle and knock it over. They can carry a, try and carry a candle from a, one room to another and it, it, they, they drop it. There's just too much in the way of risk to allow guests to have open flames. That's one of the reasons we also ask them not to have gas power generators because what could go wrong when people have been sitting and drinking beer all night and then the power goes out and somebody says, hey, I just saw a gas generator and heads out there with a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other to see if there's any gas around. That has happened too. So in your power outage kit, yes, put a charged battery pack and make sure that is recharged on every changeover so that if the power goes out and sod's law says that <laughs> your, your phone will not be charged when the power goes out, but to have a, a battery power pack is incredibly useful. And, and that would bring you a five-star review for sure. Something else in the way of amenities that somebody mentioned in a review was so much attention to detail from all the appliance instruction books in a concertina folder. So we found the one for the microwave easily because we couldn't work it. Well, think about it. We have all of these appliances these days that that do wonderful things, you know, the, the air fryers and ice cream makers and bread makers. And when you've got them at home, after a while, you, you're able to use them without reference to an instruction book. But if you're going to a property where you've never used one of these things, you want those instructions. And for sure, you can probably find them online. But how much nicer 
just to have all those instruction books available to you. And I, I loved that idea just to put them in a concertina folder and label them. So it's, they're very easily accessible. And then somebody, so well, several reviewers actually mentioned being pleased at having instructions for operating the TV, the entertainment system. Hey, I know this. I, I've lived in my house three years and I, we, we have on the table, on my coffee table, there's four remote controls. I still don't can't figure out which one works which and why I should use one and what sequence to use them in. Uh, I'm so glad that I have seven and eight-year-old granddaughters because they know exactly how to use them. I make no excuses for being a technophobe on remote controls. So I'm having instructions for operating the TVs because people... All these remotes are completely different. Everybody has a different one. So why not be kind to your guests and just show them how to operate the television? I've heard owners say, well, I don't understand why guests can't use the TV because I, I find it perfectly easily easy to do. Well, not everybody does. So another category was cleanliness. And I really don't need to say a huge amount about that. All of these properties, all of these properties in this list, all of these hosts had immaculate properties. They were all beautifully cleaned and just about every review, every review mentioned cleanliness. If you can't do comprehensive cleaning between guests, don't do the business. You've got to be clean. Everything has got to be clean. Every guest should walk in to the most cleaned property they have ever been in. And this certainly applies to properties at the end of a season, as well as in the, as the beginning of a season. So that should all go without saying. Something else that was mentioned in absolutely every review, well, not absolutely every review, because I didn't read every review, but just about every review that I read was the responsive nature of these hosts. So just a couple. Great communication from Becky from the moment I booked the reservation to when we checked out. Cassandra is a great host and responded to our messages very promptly. Quick response to all questions. Immediate response when we had a problem. I was so impressed at our host when she answered all of my many questions with kindness. That kindness thing comes up over and over again, doesn't it? So the whole issue of communication, I think, is super important and can't stress that enough. If you're remote, you can't do that communication and be, be as responsive as these hosts are. Then find somebody who can do it for you. We've just started using the Breezeway text messaging system, and it has increased our responsiveness by certainly 50%, if not more. Beforehand, it was all by telephone. It was by email. We weren't as responsive on email, but with text... It's and, and the system that Breezeway are offering, and I, I wholly recommend it. It's revolutionized. I have to say it has revolutionized our business this summer. And our guests are telling us over and over again how good our communication is. And I think this is really standing us out from the competition. So, yeah, communication, 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 responsiveness. Yeah, I'm not going to keep repeating that. But being responsive and having great communication is going to bring you happy, happy, happy guests. And then my last criteria is ease of access. And I think this is super, super important. When I say ease of access, it's how getting the directions right and making sure that people can understand the directions. 
and they're making access to the property easy. And we years ago, this was our biggest complaint on a on check-in day was that people couldn't access the property. They couldn't find at that point we had a lot of keys under mats or not. And we would get calls from guests saying it says the keys under the mat and it's not, or it says there's a code and the code doesn't work. The code we were given doesn't work. Just a bundle of these issues every single week. And it was our top issue. And this is going back maybe eight or 10 years. And we've worked very, very hard at that over the years. And in fact, one of my colleagues said to me recently, he said, those acts, there's no access issues anymore. Our systems are so good now that we don't have those access issues and it's making our lives easier and it's making our guests a lot happier. So one of the reviews said check-in and out directions were very straightforward and easy to follow. Really important to get that right because when people at the beginning of a vacation, they're hot, they're tired, they've had a long journey, they don't want to go through hoops to get through to, to actually get into the property. And, and at the end, they need very easy to follow directions in terms of how they should leave the place and how they should check out. They shouldn't need to be looking for things on the last day that tell them how to check out. So that was really important. But you know, when I went through all these reviews and I looked at them, I thought there's nothing life-changing here. There is nothing expensive here. There is nothing that really takes up a huge amount of time. It's just about attention to detail, real attention to detail, good cleanliness, no surprises, great communication, and good amenities. There you are. So before I wrap up today, I want to talk about the welcome, because if you get that right and get that first impression right, and I've talked about this many, many times before, you are going to really please your guests and having that favorable first impression is, is the best thing to have, you know, screw it up as they arrive at the place. And that's going to be a sour taste that stays with them. I've talked about this on numerous occasions, but I heard from a host this week with something that he's now doing for his return guests. And this is Steve Elsie from his website is vacationadirondacks.com. Steve has been on the show and he's got such a unique approach to his business. And I'll put a link to his website and I'll put a link to the podcast episode I did with him because I think it's really worth a listen. But Steve has a lot of returning guests in his properties and he was trying to figure out what he could do for these returning guests that was unique and original. And what he came up with was actually putting a sign outside the door with their family name on it. And I remember years ago going with some friends to a property they had in Lake Tahoe, and it was one of those um, multi-ownership properties. So they had it for seven weeks of the year and all their other owners had seven weeks. So it wasn't essentially their property, it was shared. But I remember driving up to this place and the first thing that our friend did when we got out of the car was he took out a, a sign with their family name on it and he hung it on a hook beside the door. So for that week we were there, you'd come up to the door and it was their property. And, and I, I really like that. I thought this was really, really neat. And this is what Steve Elsie's done. He's had signs made for all of his repeat guests. So let's say the family name is the Fishers. 
And so when the fishers arrive for their week at Steve's property, which they've been coming to for four or five years, they drive up to the door and they go to the door and their nice wooden sign on the side that just says the fishers. And the response he's had from his guests has been phenomenal. They absolutely love it. Now, this is not as expensive as as you might think it is to have signs made. Um, his signs cost him $28 each. And that is a very small price to pay to have those repeat guests go home and with their photos, they're going to have the photos to say, look, this is our place. We rent this. And hey, guys, you could rent this too. And if you go there often enough, they might, you might get a sign yourself. So it's a good way of making ambassadors out of your guests. So I want to give you another few ideas for a great welcome, because that's something that came up in a lot of these Airbnb list reviews was how welcome that these guests felt. So you could do a chalkboard, just to have a a small chalkboard in an entry hall where you just, just write in chalk, welcome the Fisher family. So, you know, if you don't have a sign, then put something on a chalkboard so when they walk in the door, they see that personal welcome. Many of them mentioned a personal note, and and I think that's really important. And I know that um, you know many owners do this. It doesn't need to be a letter. It's just a personal note saying, "Hey, Mark, Mandy, and family, we hope you have a fabulous time at our cottage." Please let us know if you run into any issues and we'll look forward to hearing your feedback at the end of your stay. Something like that. Just, you know, a couple of lines, but it's personal. Um, make a phone call to them the day after they arrive. Tyan Marsink does this to all, for, for all her guests. She had a quick phone call. Hey, how was your journey? Did you arrive okay? Did you get in? How's the place? Are you comfortable? And that is just such a nice touch. A guest gift, not as important. A lot of people do, did mention home-baked goods and chocolates, but but I didn't see much of mention of, you know, it was great to get a bottle of wine or something like that. So I'm not sure how important a guest gift is in soliciting those great reviews. A lot of people mentioned flowers, wildflowers, having a vase of flowers there that's freshly picked, you know, nothing plastic or artificial, but just fresh picked wildflowers. And then of course, for the arrival, I've just mentioned easy directions, easy access. And then that great first impression when they walk in the door, the place looks nice. It smells nice. It's bright, airy, feels welcoming. So just take one or two of those and see how they make a difference in the way your guests feel welcome. Of course, it does start, the whole welcome does start much earlier than that. It starts with the welcome, the feeling of welcome in every single communication that you send to them. And certainly in all those reviews, when people talked about communication with the hosts, many, many said that it wasn't just how responsive the host was when they were on vacation. It was how responsive they were from the moment they booked and responsive to every single question. You know, if you start with an incredible welcome when somebody makes their first inquiry and that stays consistent throughout the period between booking and arrival and then through the stay, you are going to have super happy guests. Okay, so not everyone's going to get onto this, onto a list of 
the most hospitable hosts in the US. Many of you I know don't even, like, like me, we don't even list on Airbnb. But it really is worthwhile taking a look through that list, going through the reviews on each of those listings and pulling out what could be a game changer for you because you may just come up with something that you'd never thought about before. So at least if there's one thing that Airbnb is bringing us, it's ideas, ideas from other people that perhaps you wouldn't capture uh, any other way. So I guess this 399th episode has been a bit of a stream of consciousness episode. Um, I am going to attempt to get back onto more structured ground, shall we say, over the next few weeks. My guest on my 400th episode is my good friend, Matt Landau. We are going to be talking about the last 10 years that we've known each other, what have been the pivotal points in those 10 years, and taking a look forward over the next five to 10 years, making a few predictions, although I hate to do that. But in general, Matt and I are just going to have a general chat on the state of this industry. So look out for that. Listen to that. I'm sure you will enjoy it. As ever, thank you so much for listening. And on the topic of reviews, as ever, I'd love you to give me one. I'd love a five-star review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to your podcast. And of course, you can, if you've got questions, if you've got comments, if you've got any suggestions on where we should take the podcast over the next 400 episodes, yay, then let me know at heather at vacationrentalformula.com. Until next week. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.